Welcome, welcome, welcome. I am Janita Stanton. We have Reginald Perryman, Shaka Williams. We are Tasari, and this is the There's Something About Real Estate podcast where we talk all things real estate. And we have with us Nick Zioli. Hello, hello. Of KW. Multi-million dollar, multi-million dollar, multi-million dollar <laughs> producer right. before the age of 25? Uh, multi-million before I was 20. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Before he Damn. was 20. Correction. Correction. <laughs> <laughs> With the team. And uh, well, let's jump into it. Tell yeah. us something about yourself. So I went into business right out of high school, 18 years old. Been selling real estate now seven years, so I'm 24 years old. It's been a while, actually. Yeah. 24 years yeah. old. I uh, originally started in Rochester. So I was born and raised down in Oxford, Michigan. Moved out to the Rochester area at 18. And uh, joined right with Keller Williams and started selling real estate as an individual. And then moved out to Royal Oak about two years ago and have been building my team and just growing the real estate business ever since. Cool. That's yeah. how you know you've been making money. Yeah. And I moved out to Royal Oak. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Start killing it. It's a lot different, though, Royal Oak from Rochester. Yeah. It's a much different um, vibe. I absolutely love it here. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's a very, it's a really good community environment down here mm-hmm. in Royal Oak. I mean, especially in the office. I mean, right. I didn't meet you until I came over here. It's an awesome community. Okay. Right. You said you moved to Royal Oak. No, you moved to Rochester at mm-hmm. 18. Mm-hmm. Okay. So was that like a move with parents or a solo move? That was a solo move. So I moved out on my own when I was 18. I was actually I was selling phones before I went into real estate. Mm. So between like 16 and 18, I was a sales rep at Verizon Wireless. And okay. that was uh, how I kind of got started. And it's funny. I was um, thinking about going in the business. And I was talking to like the Cole Wells and everyone at 18. And I was selling phones. And I get a customer at Verizon Wireless. Right. And he comes in. And I'm like, yeah, man, I've been thinking about joining the real estate business. And he's like, are you kidding me? I'm with this Keller Williams office. Like, come on. Like, let me bring you in. He was so excited. I was like, right. yeah, I'll come and meet with you. And met with him and he was in Rochester and I was working at Oxford at the time. He's like, come join. And I signed up with him and I worked under him for a year. And that's kind of how I ended up in Rochester. I knew nothing about the area. but Sweet. Yeah. Okay. But I need, I need to know a little bit more about this 18 year old move. Okay. Yeah. Cause we talked. So everybody has kids here and mm-hmm. then around that age or a little bit older and they're still trying to figure it out. Yeah. So what does 18 look like? And how much did you do your first year? Uh, I probably did between like two and a half and three, right okay. around that mark. And I was on a team. Right. Okay. So I would say on my own, I probably did about one and a half. And the rest was from buyer leads. I was working from his sellers. Okay. okay. Mm-hmm. So you were making decent money at 18. You were making more than most of your friends. Yeah. Right. I was, yeah, I was making more than most of my friends, but I was working 10 times more than they were. They're all in college and mm-hmm. doing their thing. So yeah. a little bit of a different lifestyle. And I was still at OCC for a couple of semesters at the time. So Okay, cool. Mm-hmm. In 2015. So yeah. He came, he that came. was a tough market. Yeah, the market was just mm-hmm. kind of turning back, I liked back it. up. Yeah. <laughs> I, li- I almost <laughs> liked it because I was a listing agent right from the get-go. Okay. So I, I came out just taking listings. I mean... It was a lot different. I could take a lot more than I could today. I still take some, but it was right. it was a lot different of a market actually. I think it was a little bit easier. Right. Surprisingly. Yeah, it's more balanced. Yeah. It was a more of a balanced mm-hmm. market then. Hundred percent. Yeah, cool. All right. So where where are you at now? We you got your team. How many people are on your team? So we are at seven people as okay. of today. Um that doesn't include ops. So we have um an assistant and then okay. an ISA team and then we're currently probably gonna be bringing on a couple more this month as well. So we'll be at about nine. Okay, cool. Yeah. So, yeah, that's... You said that's an ISA team. Mm-hmm. So, we have um, 
one ISA that works remote and then one ISA that will be in-house helping us call. I mean, because it's really to help distribute the leads properly because when we get the influx of leads, it's easier to set appointments for the agents rather than have them calling hundreds and hundreds of leads and have them go through one source. Okay. Yeah. Cool. So talk about that setup. So your ISA, so you get, say, 30 leads one day. Mm -hmm. Are your agents calling the leads first? And then you turn them over? How does how is your system set up? So that? we actually are in the process of switching over. Right? Okay. So that's what my goal has been. So when I first started, I couldn't just kind of go, you know, straight into the ISA model. That was my goal about six, seven months in. Right. And the major and right now the agents are calling leads, you know, for the most part, and then right. the ISA is calling them as well, helping them convert them. Okay. I just want to define inside sales associate. Yeah. Okay. So basically, uh, an inside sales associate is basically a rep who fields an incoming call. So same way you'd have a secretary for someone in an office, an ISA basically is someone who's inbound and taking in incoming calls that they want to schedule a tour for a house, they want to set up a showing, or they're interested in real estate, and they're just helping set that appointment for the agent. Okay. Right. Yeah. So that allows the agent the freedom to just go out and basically exactly. actually meet face-to-face with clients. It makes the conversion easier. Well, exactly, because right. in reality, the, the thing with the team is, you know, I believe in the Pareto principle, the 80-20 rule. Right. And the goal is is that as a real estate agent, you have to wear so many different hats. And all we want to do is just put them in a position to sell right. real estate. So really, they're most effective when you're going out on an appointment, showing homes to a client, and right. negotiating the deal. So everything else, our goal is to take away those aspects of it, okay. and that's what it helps facilitate. Cool, cool. So what? So like with your team members, what would you say like the biggest benefit? Because we have a lot of individual agents. Mm-hmm. What would you say from a team leader perspective? What would be the pros and cons of having a team versus? Just you back by yourself with no team. Well, I, I could say it in a different way because I right. have a grass is greener on, an, on the other side approach. Okay. So I went in on two teams. So I didn't go in straight as an individual. I started on two teams because my mindset was I don't know what I don't know. Right. I'm selling one of the largest financial assets you know that you can sell business-wise. Okay. And I want to have someone that I can call basically that's going to help me walk through the whole process step okay. by step. So as a new agent – it was important for me just to know I have someone that knows what they're doing that I can rely on. Um, as you become more experienced, there's a lot of different aspects of the business. So obviously, there's not only just maintaining the business you have, but generating business currently. Right. You know, facilitating the back end of the transaction. There's you got to wear a lot of different hats. Right. What we do is we take the, away the business ownership aspect of it and just help you be a realtor and focus on what you're good at. Right. And typically, most people aren't meant to wear three hats. Like, I don't like wearing so many hats, and I have people in place, you know, obviously, that help facilitate what they're best uh, fitted for. So, like, okay. I would be a terrible assistant. Right. <laughs> right. I'm right. not going to be the best person to be in the operations end of things, and I know that. And that's why there's someone else there that helps facilitate that, because if I had to be an assistant all day, I would, I would be horrible, right? So I'm I'm good at, obviously, the lead gen aspect and the managing side of it. So it helps um, them not have to wear 10 different hats and focus on just what they're good at. Right. Okay. Cool. Definitely. <laughs> so when did you leave your team? When did you leave your second team, I guess? My second team. So I was on my first team about a year. Mm-hmm. And then I went on my own after my first year about three months, failed okay. miserably, and then joined a... <laughs> A large team. So the difference was is that the first one was just one agent. Okay. So he was doing um, a large amount of volume, about $10 million, And then right. I went under him, and I just kind of worked directly for him as more of his buyer's agent. Okay. And then the second team I joined was more the traditional 20, 25 agents full scale team right, right. after that. 
So what? So when you say buyer's agent, so like he he did most of the list side, and then you did just worked with all the buyers pretty much. Yes. Okay. Yes. So right. anyone that he was not wanting to show, he would be obviously helping them sell the house, or he didn't have time for. He'd right. kind of put me in and say, "Hey, go show these people houses." And I actually got my first few deals just holding open houses for the listings that he had. Cool. Yeah. Cool. So how would like so a new agent coming in, uh, joining an office, and we talk about like splits. Mm-hmm. How are like, what are the pros and cons, and why do you think being on a team taking another split would be beneficial to an agent? Well, it's all about the net, not the gross, right? So a right. lot of times you see a lot of these individual agents have these insane gross numbers, but you right. don't necessarily the costs associated to get there, right? There's yeah. obviously a lot of fees. There's a lot of right. lead generation, administrative fees. So the way that we structure our splits is two ways. Right. So let's say that you have your own pipeline of business and you have, you know, your brother, your sister, or just your sphere of influence and they buy a house. The way we're structured is right. a 25-75 split. Okay. So essentially you'll get 75% of the commission and we'll get 25% and right. that's for managing the entire deal. So okay. contract to close, facilitating everything and, and helping the same way you get with any tor- normal team. Right. Um, the only time we charge a 50-50 split would be if we say we pay for the lead out of our own pocket, the Zillow, the Realtor.coms of the world, and we right. gave you that business is the time it would be on a 50-50 split. Okay. The benefit is is you're getting com- uh, company deals that mm-hmm. would be a good price point and that you wouldn't have otherwise. Right. And the sphere-wise is that you're not paying too much, but it makes sense to pay that because it it'd pretty much even out for the cost of an assistant or everything right. to run the transaction if you were an individual agent, mm-hmm. individually agent otherwise. And there, you're depending on volume, too, at that point. Um, volume, um, like quantity versus, you know, having a large amount of transactions. So like Mm -hmm. if you're on a team, the idea is that you're probably going to get more business to also help even that out. Well, the the toughest thing I see is the roller coaster aspect of it. And this, I struggled this my whole career. It took me seven, eight years to even get out of it. It's just... You start, you prospect for the business, you start getting a lot of momentum, you start getting a lot of clients, and then once you get those clients, you're running around like crazy trying to service (laughs) eight, ten people, and in the meantime, you're not generating what got you there in the first place. Right. Right? So what happens is you sell those clients, all those homes, and then you're like, where am I? I have no business. Right. So in that roller coaster of building, 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 servicing, 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 you have really lopsided income. With a team, you're getting consistency because someone's just saying... Here's consistent new pu- new business for you to contact and for you to call right. without having to generate it. Okay, right. so it helps you avoid those kind of humps and having months of not income, months of no income. Right. The, the big. Go ahead. No, well, I can ask them after, but I got two questions based off what you just said. Mm-hmm. The um, you said eight or ten. Do you ha- have an idea in your mind of how many um, individuals a person can service by themselves? Before? About eight buyers. Okay. About eight buyers. Eight buyers sounds... is the max I really see. Right. Anyone over eight is kind of stressing. And that's pre-approved signed buyers who've agreed to work with you. It's not like right. a casual investor or I might buy a home in a few months. It's someone who sat down with you, said, I right. want to buy a home with you. I need to move within a certain time frame. Eight of those is kind of the cap. Right. So anyone over eight is typically stressing. Okay. Yeah. Actively. Because those, <laughs> those are eight buyers that are demanding, like, Active. a house pop mm-hmm. up today. Mm-hmm. They want to see it tomorrow morning mm-hmm. at nine. Some of them are looking at the same house. Yep. So, yeah. Well, and it kind of translates to what you were saying is it almost was easier, you know, back in 2016. Because I remember the first time I sold a <laughs> listing, 
it was an expired listing. I put it up. We did two price reductions on it. Right. And I think when we got the offer, we had th- like a third showing on it. So we had a first showing. Right. A second showing. And then a third showing. Right. And then it was contingent upon the sale of their home. And it was like right. a three-month period to get it to closing. Right. Whereas now... You see a house. I mean, we got to get in there same day. Sometimes there's a deadline within two it's hours. Like right. it with you. It's completely, it's completely <laughs> different. So that was a gem. Those eight buyers need a lot more because you might take 10, 15 houses with those buyers compared to only might take one to three back when the market was a little bit easier. Right. That makes sense. Yeah. Okay. Do you remember your question? Uh, <laughs> I, I mean, it wasn't a question. I was just saying. Uh, so on the team. If they're paying that twenty five percent split, it's just like paying a referral fee, basically. Yeah, yeah. or paying you paying for your admin. So I feel like a lot of individual agents they underestimate the cost of running a big business. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So like you can be you could be on a team and do ten million and have a higher net than you could on your own because mm-hmm. if you don't know how to manage your Costs your lead spend and things of that nature, you can actually spend a lot more money than what you would be splitting on a team and better quality of life, right? You know what I mean, right? By yourself doing 10 million, you, you, like you said, you're you're going crazy, right? Mm -hmm. Unless you're doing all like two million dollar homes, right? Five deals that's different. I I mean, I think it's just exactly what you know, together everyone achieves more, the Mm -hmm. old corny term of team, you know, but I, I, I. I think that there's really something there. It really yeah. is in this business. If you join a team, everybody can really help each other. Because mm-hmm. like what Nick just said, right. you know, kind of um, mitigate some of that up and that down, that down curve. 100%. Right. Yeah. Well, you know, and I love the aspect about group and culture. I mean, right. it, I mean, you know this. It's a very right. lonely business. It is. Oh, yeah. I it mean, if you be. saw your day, someone asked, how was your day, Reggie? <laughs> Well, you know, if you only knew, right? Right. You can't get the lockbox open, you know, people not showing up to houses. So there's so right. much stuff that happens during the day. And having a group and just that culture there, yeah. I think, makes a big difference. And it's it's hard for me to say, it's like, what price do you put on having a good environment to work mm-hmm. in? Right. You know, it's crazy because sometimes what I say along on the mental aspect, like, I, you know, when you have um, the family or, you know, you have like a taxing at home life or whatever, yeah. you, you're you dealing with, um, like, a, like you said, eight to ten people. Yep. As an individual, at, you know, like their yeah, personal their thing, personal, like you're like you're taking yeah. in like all that. So like, I think that's another side of real estate that you know people may not understand is that we have to like help. Also, we're like the counselors, right? The psychiatrists, the uh, hair. You know, we got to refer right. them for like everything. The dog salon. Yeah. You become kind of yeah. a couple counselor. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. You become a therapist. Mm-hmm. I'm a full on therapist now. Yeah. Like, Tell me your problems. But, I got it. Yeah. <laughs> so with with the team concept, so do you feel like um, do you see like some agents where you just like you shouldn't be ha- you shouldn't have your own team. Where they like, shouldn't be running a team themselves, like as a team leader. Right. All the time. I yeah. see people who are fantastic operators, but not good leaders. Right. And that's the big thing that I see across the way is just you have to be able to put your people before yourself. Right. Um, at the end of the day, you have to make a shift when you become into a team leader position. I'm winning through them. I'm not trying to use them to make me win. Right. So okay. something I'll ask a lot of team leaders is if they come to me and they say, you know, what are you doing that's causing you to be successful? I say, well, what's the gap in income versus you versus your team? Because you might right. have one of these team leaders that's doing this huge production level, but they're making right. up 85% of it and they have 10 people. Mm. Yeah. And their people aren't really eating. 
right? Right. My thing is, if I'm getting an opportunity, my first instinct is to say, how do I give this to somebody so they can learn and they can grow? Right. Right. So you have to go from a point of saying, I'm not going to try and make them help me win. I'm here to win through them. And that's right. the first shift that has to be made. And a lot of people are really good operators. Right. But they don't develop that skill of saying, how do I start winning through others? And there's never that mental shift. And that's why you have such high turnover on these teams because people are like, I'm working so hard, but I feel like I'm just helping you win. I feel like you're not helping right. me win. And right. that's the biggest problem. That's crazy. Yeah. I immediately started, look, this is so down a rubber hole, but I immediately thought of like a mega church because that's like one of yeah. the biggest complaints you hear from like the congregation. Yeah. Like sometimes, you know, some of the members are not, you know, surviving as well as, you know, like they're yeah. not in good positions. And the pastor got the caddy. Man, well, got, now the, uh, got, the, got the jet. Yeah. yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> Everybody mad at Puffy. Uh, but no, I think, I mean, that's great. Um, I like it. Yeah. Thank what, you. Um, <laughs> so a quick question, too. So when we talk about, like, running your team and operating your team, mm-hmm. it's really a business, right? It's all a business. Yeah. yeah. It's what, a big business. Like, what systems are you using? Like, you have to manage uh, what you spend on leads so you have your profit and loss. You also have to manage how you're converting those mm-hmm. leads. Mm-hmm. So what are you using and what does that look like on a day-to-day basis? Oh, man. You know, it's going to kill me. <laughs> so I, uh, I'll tell you a funny story. I'll, I'll answer your question. So okay. uh, my father, my whole family's background, they're all engineer-based, right? So they're very analytic. They're all analytical right. people and they all love data. And I always was like not good at math. So I was like, I'm not analytical. I'm not the engineer type. And then turns out later, I love data. Right. Right. So uh, I just absolutely have fallen in love with data. I'm like, I don't know where that came from. Right. So sure. <laughs> uh, exactly. Right. right. I'm in denial. So on that note, I, I track a lot of different things. So the first okay. thing you need is you, a, a database system. And that's what every realtor should have, no matter what, is a place where they store their contacts and incoming leads and where they where they manage them. Right. Um, and then you also have to be able to track what you're doing with the leads that are coming in. So we use um, a couple different systems. We use Chime right now, right. which is our CRM, who you're using as well, yeah. I believe. Yeah. And then um, we also use Sisu. And what CSU does is basically a way for us to track um, what's actually going on with the appointments that we're setting, what percentage rate they're converting at, and how we can best coach them. So a lot of different, a lot of agents have different problems when they first start. It's either an issue with not doing enough actions to get the necessary result, or it's not being able to convert based on the actions that they're getting. Right. Meaning that what what that looks like is someone might contact way too many people and not get any clients. Versus someone might not contact enough people and they're getting a couple of clients but not getting as many as they need to survive. So right. we track a lot of those different kind of points. So we track like more on the sales analytics end of it and then obviously like the lead flow and whatnot. Right. So if you're getting, let's say you're, each agent received 100 leads. Yeah. Each. So you're tracking each agent conversion rates? We check, um, you know, everything from the point when they get the lead to closing. Right. Um, how many uh, leads it takes to get an appointment set right. to a signed contract, to a pending offer, to a closed deal. Okay. So we track all those data points. And you can track, are you tracking how much income, like return on investment you're making per agent and per lead source? Uh, I don't. Yeah, I don't only do it just by, every, I do it by lead source. So typically okay. what I'll do is um, if I'm sending realtor.com leads, I'll track how many I'm sending per month, what my cost per lead was, what my cost per closing was, what right. the conversion ratio was, and that helps give me an idea. But in reality, I think you got to be careful because it takes six to nine months for you to really even see the return. 
And right. as a team leader, that's the hardest thing about starting a team is that you have to be able to stomach six, nine months of just grinding and not seeing those returns. So right. I'm now really like, you know, probably my first year, year and a half in starting to see a lot of those leads I paid for really coming around and turning really quickly. Right. So it's also right. not immediate. This question no. for both of y'all. Yeah. Right. You and so y'all tracking it. Yeah, what right. percentages are you looking for? So what's a good percentage on conversion rate and and what is not acceptable? So Typically, industry average is 4%. Mm-hmm. So if you get a lead off of like, and this is for a comparable sources would be like Realtor, Zillow, because you're paying for time frame, right? So you're paying those big bucks for those ones. You should be getting about 4% minimum. That's the standard what the most companies will tell you. Right. But what's really interesting, a lot of these companies like Zillow are, are trying to go more the referral model. Right. And to even be eligible for the referral model they're looking for 8% conversion. And they're saying that's what you need to even be eligible. Right. So the standards are going up right now with a lot of these companies. So our goal is to be about 7 to 8% in conversion, but we don't we don't really look for that amount till about six months in. That's yeah. low, though. Yeah, but that's, that's industry average because you got to mm-hmm. remember not all agents are really hustling like mm-hmm. that to convert. That's why you get the ISA mm-hmm. so you can increase your conversion. So if you get... Let's say you get 100 leads. Some leads are just really garbage, and some mm-hmm. leads are future buyers that you're not going to see a return on this year. Mm-hmm. But out of 100, you get four deals out of it. Now you got to calculate how much did it cost you to get that 100. Mm-hmm. So from a return on investment standpoint, some people want like a 6-to-1 return. Mm-hmm. So if I spend 1000 I should make 6000 Some people want a 10-to-1 return. So it all depends on what your personal preference is. Hundred percent. Yeah. So some teams, I mean, the the biggest the biggest return on investment is your sphere of influence. Mm-hmm. But now, before your sphere of influence was protected because you didn't have all of this outside noise coming in. So your cousin is looking to buy a house next year. And you're probably one of the only realtors they think of. Mm-hmm. Now they see a realtor everywhere. Yeah. They best friend a realtor. Yep. They sister a realtor. The niece went and got yeah. a license. You yeah. know what I'm saying? And then they're seeing the billboards. They're seeing all the social media ads. Now you have to work harder you to gotta, keep that person. You got to fight for your... Uh, you you got to market, you know what I mean? Yeah. You got to you well, treat them like a, like a, a customer. Yeah, right? stay in front of them. The hardest thing is is speed to lead, really, right. in reality. And and that's why the ISA model is so helpful is because when you submit a form on, say, like Realtor.com, right. you're getting sent out to many agents at the same time, right? Right. And all those agents are, like, wanting to reach out and have a new client that they can service, but you're in competition with them. So getting on the phone really quickly right. is important. So we try to get on the phone within the first 30 seconds to see the highest conversion. Right. And also the hardest thing is is as a team so leader. From the, so from the time the lead comes in, so ring, ring, or the email alert, you're 30 seconds. We have a text, an email, and a phone call within the first 30 seconds. Okay. What if they come in at 12 a.m.? Uh, we're not calling them at all. Right. No. <laughs> they make we'll it an auto thing. email. Though, they make right? it auto text and email, but not a not a not a call. Mm-hmm. But so, that was a key right there because you can't set up those. Auto so you're doing the blast. <laughs> we don't want to spam them, but we certainly try to hit them in every touch point possible. No, so I'm Tim. So for you to contact them in 30 seconds mm-hmm. when that lead comes into to you, mm-hmm. right, or whoever is managing the leads, yeah. then to get it to your realtors on your team. 
How are you getting it to them so that somebody can respond to it in 30 seconds? It goes right into our CRM. So like what we said, we pay for Chime. So they'll come in on Realtor.com the second it goes into our CRM mm-hmm. and they get a notification on their phone that says you have a new lead. Please Everybody. Contact. Everybody. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And Everybody. then you have your agents claim it or is it like a round, it's a round robin? robin. So okay. we do a round so robin do system. So right. we tried more of the broadcast approach and we didn't like it. So yeah. we just go in a round robin approach. That's what I was saying. I call it a blast. Yeah. yeah. So you're doing a round Oh, you're talking about when you like put you it in. Shoot it to everybody. Whoever yeah. came first. Some of you them like I mean? Facebook will do that. Mm-hmm. But like when it comes to like a realtor.com, you know, we want a round robin. Yeah. It's yeah. Really easier. Mm-hmm. But the other hard part is it, it sometimes I thought the resolution was just pay for more leads. Right. And that was a huge mistake on my part that I had to learn being in the business Mm -hmm. as a team leader for a long time was Mm -hmm. you're giving agents too many leads and just giving people more leads does not solve problems. Right. What we're noticing is that people are valuing people willing to make relationships more. Right. Right. So instead of me saying, why don't I just give you another 50 leads? Why don't you go in and try and actually service the people you already have and call them a few more times and kind of go in deep with what they need and build that rapport? Because we notice once you talk to them six, seven times, the returns go through the roof. Right. But now a lot of agents are willing to say, I'm going to call six, seven times trying to build that relationship. Right. They just want to call 100 leads one time. Mm-hmm. And it's making that kind of shift right now that we're right. going through that's allowing us to scale really quickly. Right. Mm-hmm. So so you'll get um, – so it's better to get like an agent to have 30 leads and convert on those 30 versus yes. 120 leads and not convert but one or two. It hurts you more because you develop right. the wrong mindset. So okay. if, I, if, you, if I do – here's 30 leads. You don't convert any of them. The, right. the solution is not for me to go out and say, here's another 30 leads. Right. The, lo- the solution is say, okay, what happened and why did these people not convert and how can we go back and get them to convert? Right. And that was a huge shift I had to make that allowed me to kind of correct what I was doing wrong. Because let's be honest, I mean, leads are very expensive right now. Right. And um, it can cripple you if that's your approach. And that's what was happening to me for a little bit. Right. Yeah. And one more question, too. So on buying the leads for it, and this is for agents and teams. Yeah. I want everybody input on this. Do you feel like now, because most of the lead systems you pay for, Zillow Realtor, is mostly buyer heavy, do you feel like it's worth it to buy more buyer leads? Because it's not enough inventory out there. So what is your take on that? I'm going to answer first, and I'll probably sell Yeah, I sell more. So so what I did at first, I started, I was paying for leads, Zillow leads, and they were converting and they were turning into money. Right. But uh, my return on investment was way more on my spirit. Okay. So I was still right. making money. Right. You know what I mean? But um, not the same amount of money. Right. So, yeah, I think that, I think the spirit. So your question was? Yeah, dude, would it make sense? Like, would so, you, would you, so your spirit made more money, yep. but do you still think it's a place to pay for leads? Yes. In your business model. Okay. <laughs> I have a quick question on this yep. one. And I want, I'd like to hear your guys' take. How much do you think online presence plays a factor in your ability to be hired as a realtor? Huge. Huge. So do you think it's worth maybe breaking even or making a little bit of returning investment to get those extra sales to get your credibility up to where it's easier for you to start converting more leads? I think so. That's the theory behind it. That's the thing, right? It's because you look up and you say, oh, my gosh, he sold 70 houses Mm -hmm. in the last 12 months. You may have not made great money on the 40, but how much did those 40 actually get you in a return from the other sphere? Right. They are coming in and the more referrals that you get, yep. right? So, yep. you know, what price are you willing to put on that? And to me, 
you know, if you're making a, a decent return, not a great one, but it's allowing you to still scale and grow other sources, right. it's worth it. And as you obviously the goal is, is that as you get that sphere more involved and you've gotten that reputation, you can kind of scale back. And that's what you see a lot of these big teams do is as they eventually get to that point where right. the referrals and the database is large enough, they drop the Zillows and the realtors because they don't need it anymore. Mm-hmm. Right. Because they got that database. Right. Right. And you kind of need, and you need, yeah, you need that to build your new sphere yeah. is right. what mm-hmm. I was getting to. What's your thoughts? <laughs> um, I think that they both kind of hit the nail on the head a little bit. Um, but I think that when you have a team, I think the online presence is going to be vital because you want those phones ringing and you want to make sure that you have consistent leads for the team. But, I, you know, most of my business is referral based directly from my sphere. And... Um, I guess if we were to compare like a PNL or something like right. that or whatever, the question would be, did I really need maybe as an individual agent to pay for leads? Right. And the answer is probably no. Right. And then in terms of like what Nick was talking about, when you having your online presence up, there are um, other ways that you can potentially go about doing that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, like holding your people committed to giving you your reviews, making sure your website is up. And then having um, maybe another individual on your team that is pushing um, that information out to people and getting people to organically share it. Mm-hmm. Right. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yep. Anyone that's able to generate as many leads as they need without having to pay for them is right. a winner in my book. And that is the correct approach. Mm-hmm. Right. So my thing is if you're able to grow with your sphere and keep getting referrals, keep doing that. Yeah. Right. And that's the way to do it. I, I think, think right. that it's a... Um, it, it's a, it's a, it, it can be good either way. It just yeah. depends on what you're, what you're doing in your business. Well, my thing is I hit a ceiling. Yeah. That was my problem is I kind of capped my production. I was like, how do I get to that next level? Because I feel kind of stuck. Right. And that's what made the most sense. Because I remember, like, I think I was doing about eight and a half on my own. And I was like, I'm, I'm like 90% listing based. And I'm like, I'm right. only like kind of listing these FISBOs or expires and these people don't need to buy. And I'm like, how do I kind of get into a new market? And that's one of the ways that helps me do that. Right. Now, I do have a question about your FISBO expires because mm-hmm. I don't think that those are as easy to turn as a lot of people think. Maybe the expires a little bit, but the FISBOs, and then especially when you call the FIS for mm-hmm. sale by owners, that had is like, oh, I'm already a realtor. What do I need you for? Did you ever convert any of those? Yeah. So I, I actually, my first four years, all I really did if you looked at my source of leads, was expired to FISBOs and then repeat sales off those lead sources because I didn't have a sphere at 18. My first few deals were just expired. My first deal was actually a $410,000 expired listing. Um, so that's how I built my business was doing those. And it's changed a lot. Um, everything's going more deep in relationship versus like quick sales. Right. So it's not so much you get on the phone, you get an immediate appointment. So right. we're still doing well off FISBOs and those sources. But what we're noticing is... Getting on the phone immediately and expecting them to list with you is just unrealistic. Right. Like, it's more of a, hey, I wanted to kind of see what you're doing with this house. Tell me, like, what are your plans um, for the next couple months? And, you know, if something doesn't move or do you have somebody you can call if you need anything, would it be possible for me to come and take a look at the house with you? Right. And just going and meeting with them in person, letting them feel you out, make sure that you are competent, you know what you're talking about. Um, And just building that relationship is actually what's converting. Right. Right. It's not so much the, you know, I, I don't like that. Sales. Yeah. I mean, yeah. If, <laughs> the worst thing I hear right now and, and no, no, nothing on anyone who still does. If it works for you, it works for you. But when they get on the phone and they say, I was like, hey, you know, let me tell you how I can make you more money than selling on your own. Right. And I'm like, at this point, people are just 
tuned out of that completely. Mm-hmm. Right. They're completely tuned off. It's simply relationship-based, um, and it's not so much just sales, 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 sales. Right. Yeah, I agree. So, so hold you, on. I'm, I'm sorry. Yeah, I was going to say, so you practice your scripts. In order to get that that technique down and structure to where you convert in those fizzbos, you had to practice your scripts over and over again. Or, oh, yeah. I, yeah. I, I went through so many different models of scripts, but in right. the end, I think it's more about just um, how you handle resistance. Right. It's the most important thing. Like, what you say is actually not that important. It's how you say it. Right. And it's also, what do you do for those reflex objections? Because in reality, that's where most people get stuck, is it's those right. reflex objections. Like, let's say you, you know, I'm a furniture sales rep, and you walk in and I say, hey, how are you doing? So you'd be like, I'm not interested. Right. Even though you have every intention of going <laughs> in there and something. buying something, right. I, just, I don't want to be bothered with this, right? Right. That's a reflex objection. Mm-hmm. So what we kind of go through is we have like an ARP approach where you acknowledge, right. respond, and pivot. And basically, like, you know, you're on the phone with somebody and you're saying, hey, I saw this property came off the market. I just want to see where you're – I'm not interested. It's like I completely understand. And most people I speak to say the exact same thing. So I'm just wondering if I did have somebody for it or if you were looking to sell it, right. would you still consider selling at this price? And just allowing that conversation to keep going without losing that momentum right. is what causes you to start converting. And no one really practices that aspect of it because it, it, the intro is kind of easy. I mean, there's not right. too much there. It's the same structure with all the different scripts. Like, are you still looking to sell? You know, right. where would you move if you hadn't sold the house? It's, it's all, right. That's all relatively easy. It's that part of it that's tough. So so play that out real quick. So you're okay. the agent and I'm the FISBO. You're the agent you're the FISBO. So yep. ring, ring. Hello. Hi, is this the uh, owner of 123 Main Street? Yes, this is. Awesome. I saw you uh, just posted this a couple days ago, right? Yeah. Perfect. Um, I'm just trying to get some uh, info on the property. Um, You're asking about $130,000 for it? Yeah, it's one thirty, but okay. I'm I'm not really trying to hire a realtor right now. No, for sure. I mean, most people aren't right now, just right. with the way the market is. But if I brought someone to it and they decide to make an offer, are you open to that? Yeah, I'll pay you two percent. Two percent. Okay, perfect. Do you have any offers on it right now? No, not at this time. We got some people. We're gonna do our own open house this weekend. Nice man. And then, are you still living in the home? Yeah, we're still living here. Perfect. And how long of a time frame would you need, say, to move? Um, we're ready to move right now. Oh, so if I give you an offer two weeks, you're good. Yep. Okay. Beautiful. So what I'd like to do is two things. So I actually, um, I have a lot of buyers in that city. So I'm going to actually send this out to my database in an email and see if I can find anyone for the house. But what I'd also like to do is just come and take a look at the property with you just so I can see more or less what it is because I want to see if I can possibly bring anyone to you. Do you have time tomorrow at three or the following day at four? No, you can come to the open house if you want. Just bring some of your buyers with you. Awesome. And what time's your open house? It's Saturday at 1 o'clock. Perfect. And what time will you be setting up? I'll be setting up. We'll be ready. I mean, about 12, 12, 30, whenever I get out of bed. I'm actually showing a home around 1. Could I stop by when you're setting up right around like 12, 15, 12, 30? Um, Yeah, that should work. Just call me first. Awesome. And then what's your best email address? W Reggie really that at <laughs> Gmail. <laughs> so uh, I'm gonna send you a calendar invite, and it's just right. gonna have um, a notice on it. Just make sure okay. you accept that, so I know we're still good. And then I'll Perfect. plan on seeing you uh, Saturday at twelve fifteen. Sounds great. Cool. All right. Super salesman. Yeah. He's a super salesman. So the the reason I wanted to play that out is because like a lot of times when we see these TV shows or we see people, I'm gonna get into real estate. They teach you how to meet buyers. Mm-hmm. You go out with buyers. You show houses. You just look at something on the MLS. This the other side of actually prospecting and getting that business. And how much does it cost you to get a FISBO? I was nothing. I mean, you pay 50 bucks for the lead sources, and that's about it. Right. Yeah. Versus versus going out and paying 
you know, the other companies, you know, thousands a month that get buyer leads. Mm-hmm. Well, I was having a conversation um, in the office because I'm, right. I'm rereading MREA. Right. And um, I'm just trying to understand, like, this lead with revenue model. And I'm just, I keep right. looking at lead with revenue. And I didn't spend money on leads for four years. I mean, I wasn't, I wasn't in here spending Zillow until I started a team. So that wasn't even a concept I entertained right. until I had a team and I had to feed additional business. Right. Everything that was done was based on stuff I was just hard prospecting and calling and outreaching people. And that's right. how I built my whole business. Right. Yeah. Well, I didn't have money anyway. So I, was <laughs> I, I didn't have, I didn't have two pennies. So yeah, yeah, I did. I did everything. I remember I was like working part time trying to make it happen. Yeah. So, yeah so. But hold on. You said something. So you said that he's the first person that's heard say you were listing heavy. I was, I was for my majority of my career as an individual. If you looked at my sales, I was probably 85 to 90% listing based. And you wanted to go to, you wanted buyers. Well, I hit a ceiling, so I mm. wanted to scale. So mm. I, I wanted to add yeah. that on. And you're not going to throw a bunch of new agents right at listings. Mm-hmm. It's just not, it's a completely different business. Mm-hmm. And it's very reputation based in right. the listing side, especially with cold approach. Because mm-hmm. there's a completely different thing when it comes to listings versus buyers, right. especially with people you don't know. Because mm-hmm. they're interviewing three, four other people. You don't have good stats, good credibility. Get just There's no chance. So right. I mean, it's very, very difficult for you to go in there. And you have to either leverage your office stats, leverage your team stats, or someone to really get in contention and convert right. at a good level. Um, so that's why they're they're majority buyer focused right now. But um, for me, I did. I grinded it out. It took me a while not making money to get to that point. But that's just how I scale. Hold right. on. He said it took him a while not making money. And, but in your first year, you did two and a half, three million. Well, I guess... <laughs> You're right, but I would probably put it to how much. What money would you call money, right? Yeah, well, depends on I wouldn't say that. I'd say how, how hard I actually had to work to make that income. Gotcha. So, right. like, I did way more than I felt I had to. I was calling six, seven hours a day nonstop. I mean, right. I was I was just relentless. I, I remember I, I would just sleep and eat in the office. Yes, anyone who knows me, they never <laughs> saw me. So that's why I don't right. feel like it was a lot because I the amount I had to do to get that was right. just absurd. You feel like you worked harder, not smarter. Oh, not my gosh. So yeah. Not even close. I, I wish I would have met people like Reggie and people like in the mm-hmm. office to be around me. So right. I didn't just do this thing where I just kept working, working, working. I took time to reflect and make better decisions because mm-hmm. sometimes you just get in that mode where you're just like work, work, work. You never reflect on anything you're doing. Right. So, um, quick story before we wrap up. Me, me and Nick, we got a team bet. Oh, I was going to uh, bring this up. Yeah. He got so, me. Why would you do this to yourself? He's, all, he's, always, um, he's always coming in talking shit, right, <laughs> to my team. So, um, we, put a, we put a bet up which team was going to do the most in volume this year, and it's a $5,000 bet. Mm-hmm. So, I'm telling y'all now, next year... At our awards banquet, when I have his money, <laughs> I want it in all ones. Yeah. When they call my name, I'm going to walk up. I'm a Mike Lowry, the host, and then I'm going to throw the award down, and I'm going to make it rain. You know, Reggie, I, I got to tell all you, I've, I've always admired people who have really big goals. It's, yeah. okay, to, <laughs> it's okay to shoot for the stars. Yeah, just, yeah. You know, don't be disappointed when you don't hit them, okay? All right. All right. I'm Pyramid Real Estate Group is up yeah. right now, right? Yeah, we up. Okay. Yeah. 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 But he got All some year. big things. He got some big things Give coming on. All right. Yeah. right. It's a long term. <laughs> you'll see me sweating around Q4 if I'm not there, but it won't happen. Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. All right. Um, anything else you want to add or, you know, you want to tell us where to find you at? Where to find me at? Uh, best place to find me is on uh, Facebook, Instagram, or YouTube. Yeah, I'm yep. trying to. You know, what is it? At, what is your Instagram? Uh, at Nick Zioli. Okay. So How do you spell, spell that? Uh, 
N-I-C-K-Z-E-O-L-I. Okay. Cool. Cool. Okay. <laughs> yeah, you had to visualize it. Yeah, I did. Yeah. Italian. Yeah. <laughs> right. All right. It was a great show, and that is a wrap. All right. All right.